He's got a little sign that says clutch tuning in progress. <laughs> nice. Do not enter. <laughs> it looks like he's sleeping in there. <laughs> no, I I really kind of got that thing dialed in, Brian. I haven't been touching it. Hey, Mommy, did that guy's car run him over? His feet are always sticking out from under it. Yeah, I guess it's going to take time to change that perception, Craig. Yeah. Uh, years. The perception of me laying underneath my car all the time. It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Welcome back to Class Racing Today. As soon as I can uh, push the right button, we'll get there. ClassRacingToday.com, ClassRacingToday at gmail.com. We are back again. Um, if you want to help support the show, uh, we appreciate all the support we get from the viewers and listeners just like you. We'll kind of buy, steal something from NPR. Uh, from viewers like you. Uh, if you. If you get value out of the show, you determine that value. Turn it into dollars, send it back our way at classracingtoday.com. You can click on the donate button uh, or just classracingtoday.com forward slash donate. Brian. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube. Oh, get, yes. So if you're watching on YouTube, um, subscribe today. We need to, to get that number up. Uh, it the, the more people that interact with that page, subscribe and hit the dinger bell button, uh, the better rankings we get. Uh, just as it throws out to more people on the YouTube sphere. So that is certainly something we want to build up if we can. So all of your support it doesn't cost you a thing except a little exertion of that button. Just push, push the button with your finger. It's, it's, it's he, simple. To even do. if you're watching on Facebook, just start watching on YouTube. <laughs> That's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, it is July. Where did, it's, uh, where did May go? That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I know you've been running about like a headless chicken. I mean, it was uh, a long time ago when we were in Rock Falls already, it seems like. <laughs> it does seem like that. Like, How strange. You remember, well, you probably don't remember. Well, I guess you're younger than me, so I can't say that. But. Barely. <laughs> when you were, uh, you know, like when you're a kid and school starts, it's like a whole year goes by before Christmas break. And then you go to and Christmas then, break, and you're all excited. You come back, it's like there's a whole another year of school before summer And then school starts break. again the next year. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty wild. Now it's just like flying by. Like races are cracking <laughs> off, and things are busy. And... Yeah. Oh, another thing. Sorry, I just had a thought. Um, we do. We have a few people that uh, prefer to support the show uh, via the checkbook, and that is very doable. You can send uh, support that way uh, to our. Mailing address, 307 South Main Street, Millbank, South Dakota, 57252. That's where the studio is located and where all that accounting takes place. So uh, we appreciate all that support. Um, today we have um, a a treat. Friend of the show. A friend of the show. Friend That's of the it, show. A friend of the show. <laughs> um, I, uh, we, we talked when we were in Rock Falls um, that we had failed to plan appropriately uh, to do... <clears throat> the f inaugural episode of John's Kitchen, but that will come in. Johnny, four-speed Johnny McLaughlin, how are you? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing? Fantastic. Welcome into uh, Class Racing today for the number the second time. Last time you were on the show, uh, you were in studio with us, which was, I think yeah. you were the only, so far, guest of the show that's actually been inside the studio. I think. Really? In the lair. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you, uh, you, you, you're a... Uh, in a league of your own, 
at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Just by looking at his background, I'd like to think we should go to his place oh, for geez, an episode. No kidding. That car. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys having me on again. Um, Brian contacted me late last night. I was actually <laughs> returning from, from hauling some hot rods. Um, so, yeah, I got into, uh, I'm actually at the toy shop here in Grand Forks this morning. And you can see in the background here, we got the Grandmaster sitting there. And I dusted off some of Wes's trophies from back in the 60s and 70s. So Well, okay, give us, give us a little to- bit of uh, a little backgrounder on why you're there and what you actually do. <laughs> Oh, here at the toy shop. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, my, the toy my, shop. Come on. Yeah, my my day <laughs> job, if you will, is I I, I I build and work on hot rods. So, um, and uh, yeah, we we work on a lot of high end stuff. Obviously, our uh, it's part of the Rydell organization, and so we we maintain and 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 build uh, with West Rydell's fleet, and that gives us the opportunity to work with some of the premier street rod builders all over the country. Um, we do a lot of work collaborating on cars with with guys like Troy Trepanier and, and his great crew over there and, and uh, Chip Foose and the Ring Brothers and some of that kind of stuff. Um, and we do some some customer stuff. We're actually, the, the shop is in disarray right now and um, we're in the process of moving. Um, we renovated part of an old Kmart building uh, to get some more space. And, uh, <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, so. Is there so, a blue yeah, light I'm, special on the uh, Grandmaster? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't believe that car will ever ever be for sale. So, so we will but, have to uh, once that's completed, we'll have to come up and do an on location. Uh, absolutely, it's it's going to be a really 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 cool space and a really cool facility. Um, it's not you know the room wise and stuff. There's things that we wished we'd have done different, but it's just something we thought we could do cost effectively mm-hmm. and, and in a hurry. So, um, but uh, West Rydell's foray into uh, the street rod world um, started, well, really the high-end street rod world started with that car, the Grandmaster in 2002, that car won the Riddler Award, and then there's been all kinds of stuff since. But uh, his his interest in cars started in drag racing. So he started drag racing in the early 60s, um, obviously here in the Midwest, used to race at Minnesota Dragway, which is now, now defunct. But uh, he was at the first U.S. Nationals and went to the U.S. Nationals every year for 25 years, um, got involved in what became competition eliminator that class um, mm-hmm. was kind of one of the trendsetters real early on and so anyway in, interesting stuff but it'll be fun to have him on the show when we're oh there. yeah that'd be great it's funny for all the things he has accomplished he's real shy about doing interviews or cameras but i'll do my best to see if i can do Come that on, you got some is, months work on them <laughs> yeah he, he is a fascinating interview that's for sure that's cool so does, does the grandmaster have a four speed in it <laughs> no, it does not. And I tell you, <laughs> I don't want to turn this into a show talking about street rods, but I do a lot of work on street rods. The majority of them have automatics in them. And again, and nowadays, you know, like just recently here, I've been working on a lot of cars that have eight speeds and 10 speeds. And you're, you're working on trying to tune these transmissions um, and trick the factory computers into doing what you want. And if everything just had, you know, dominators and Jericho's way, life would be a lot easier for me but uh i did the first car i was working on this morning was a was a 66 corvette with a five speed in it so that's my kind of car brian beautiful we we all know your fingers aren't happy without clutch dust on them so right right hey i was thinking of that by the way i don't think i've adjusted my clutch maybe three times this year 
I've does that, does that mean you haven't race. raced very much? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. Right. A little bit of both. <laughs> well, you did have. So you guys came over to Rock Falls. That was really cool. Hey, that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And then you, of course, fed us. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. No. Next time we'll do a live from the kitchen oh, yeah. thing with my with my daughter and I cooking. But oh yeah. No, that was a a really super fun race at a great track. Uh, track conditions were were pretty frustrating on Friday and Saturday, with uh, not through a lack of effort from the facilities uh, standpoint. Um, and then on Sunday, when the weather took the big big swing and cooled down there, things definitely got better. So yeah, that was. It was oh, well, and then, well, sorry, real quick. One thing that Brian mentioned to me is that uh, because of my complaints and ranting <laughs> on one of the other last shows, right after that, um, they have. Uh, address their speaker scenario right yeah but the lack of speakers no speakers on the starting line how strange <laughs> craig your so, influence yes. in the stock super stock community <laughs> it's, it's vast right no. right uh, we don't no, want to we, we appreciate that so we don't want to give him too much credit though john because he'll literally have like 30 foot led walls on every corner of the racetrack if yes. you let his influence hey if, if you sell enough ad space you're good right sorry go ahead john i, I apologize Oh, I was just going to say that the track came around really nicely, and it was actually, you know, crazy fast conditions for the Midwest this time of year. You know, the barometer mm -hmm. was in the in the twenty nine. Um, so yeah, and I finally got my car dead hooking, and I was able to uh, make it to the to the semifinals there before I managed to screw it up. So, <laughs> so were you as fast as the orange stick car that was running around? Um. Mans. Randy Shepard, Randy Mans, huh? Randy Mans, were oh, you? No, no, that's a that's a league of its own. The Randy Mans car. Um, I I just felt good because on Friday and Saturday they were they were uh, chasing the same traction issues that I was. So I <laughs> usually they're so much better than the rest of us that it doesn't matter. But they definitely got that thing tuned in and, and flying like normal. So yeah, that that car is is literally in a league of its own. Um, I was helping Lynn Engels some on his uh, uh, A-Stick 427 four-speed Corvette, and uh, we uh, made some good progress with that car. That car has the potential to, to uh, for sure, keep Randy and Mike honest. I don't know if we can ever run with them, but we can sure keep a, could have a chance of keeping them honest, perhaps. Well, if there's a Gen 4 not making it down the track, everybody else is having a bad day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and that's it. Was, like I said, it was super fun on Sunday when the weather came around there and the track got a little tighter. And said my car was dead hooking, and my uh, my my lights and my box score uh, showed the result of that. And until I made a stupid tuning area tuning error error there in the uh, semifinals and turned it 002 red because I decided to put a little air in my front tires when I was uh, I that's was what, on my way. That's what you get for tinkering. Yeah. If you well, can't touch the clutch, he has to do something. Right. <laughs> I know. Well, I had changed it. I had made the right decision two rounds before that, and uh, and it worked good. But uh, for I don't know what I was thinking. So just think if you would have gotten the pickup and went and picked up some cheese for the potatoes, you probably would. <laughs> right. right. Probably right. would have won. Yeah. You know, no, I just felt I just felt honored to uh, make it down and have the opportunity to compete with with Mike and Jason. There, they're they're two of the best. You know, out there, obviously, and, and especially in the Midwest class racers uh, realm. So it was super fun. I thought it was cool to watch Bill Shepard's car work as good as, you know, for that thing being fresh, you know, pretty freshly built. He had that car really working good, and that was that was fun to see. 
Oh yeah, there was there was a lot of cars there that were that were impressive. Um, Ryan's blue Camaro, that thing laid down some really nice laps too, and he was driving the wheels off it there for a while. So, literally off of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, impressive wheel stands too. But mm. yeah. No, that was a it was a cool race. It uh, wasn't probably necessarily the best for my productivity since then, but. <laughs> So what is the what is the story, Brian? Is the engine on the dyno yet, or what's going on? Uh, we're waiting for a camshaft, which should be here this week. So hopefully, dynoing in the next week to ten days. But you know how that is. I got LS junk laying around all over. <laughs> junk. I'll just send you down a camshaft. Yeah. It's a pile, a pile of giveaways. Yeah. You'll you can literally go to Kmart and buy parts for <laughs> those things, can't you? Yeah. Awesome. Most gas stations have them hanging next to the car chargers. Right. Was there any old leftover signage in that building? What's that, Greg? Was there any old leftover signage in that Kmart? Yeah, there was. Oh, sweet. And I, I, I was going to take the big red K. Yeah. But I'm like, where am I going to store this thing until I want to do, do something with it? And then, funny story, and I, I honestly have no knowledge of this, but that big red K ended up in a city councilman's yard. Really? Here in Grand Forks, yeah, true story. <laughs> uh, Brian, uh, James Haddad said, asked if you're going to be ready for Ottawa. Uh, we were trying. That's the goal, anyway. It's uh, It might be a little sketchier than my run in St. Louis, <laughs> but uh, bolts will still be warm from being torqued, I think, probably, if that happens. But I would love to go somewhere before... Shakeout. Brainerd this weekend, Brian. Uh, that cannot happen. <laughs> There's got to be a pickup sitting there in Millbank you can steal an LS out of. <laughs> <laughs> John, are you going to be there? Yeah. Uh, yes, I am planning on going. Um, I, uh, I, I, I foolishly let myself get sucked away in work and didn't didn't go to the uh, divisional. So I definitely want to make it over to the the Midwest Class Racers race in Brainerd there. Um, uh, I believe I've got a driver lined up for the wagon. Uh, should be really nice weather. I, I love that racetrack. Um, the facility is cool with the trees, and they got showers and, and a bar and a restaurant right there and a gas station just outside the gate. Uh, the track itself is it's Brainerd. It's wide and smooth, and they prep the heck out of it even on, on regular weekends, and so the traction's always killer. So I just I really enjoy racing there. So does your um, driver I, require a uh, extension on the on the gas pedal? <laughs> no, I've I've got a D breezy the nice. uh, the wagon, right. uh, but I, I have that down to a science where I can do that in about about five ten minutes now. So Sweet. it's just a matter of taking the brace off from behind the seat, moving the seat back, <laughs> taking the wood block off the gas pedal. That was, uh, that was the best thing about looking in that car. The yeah, gas pedal's yeah. this much farther forward. Uh, I, every time I think of that car, I think of Indiana Jones short stuff, but he had the blocks on his feet. Right? <laughs> hey, you do what you got to do, right? That's right. That car, that's a, that thing's had so many different drivers. It's going to have like quick tatch pins for all the to debreeze it. Everything's on a quick quick tatch. Yeah. yeah, just pull out the interior, put a new one in for every driver. I like it. Yeah, I I think the the total since. Just in the last three years here, I think I've had 12 different drivers in it. So, um, wow. And uh, Dennis Bremen, my friend from, from uh, he, he won the uh, consolation race and Marion in it. I think that's the only person that's won in it in the last three years. Um, but uh, 
it's a it's a really good car and always goes rounds and, and it's just fast enough and leaves hard enough to be fun but just slow enough that uh, it's pretty low maintenance and i don't have to worry about anybody you know doing anything silly and, and getting into an accident or something with it so it's significantly different to drive than a camaro <laughs> yeah i could i i can attest to that myself yes i, I imagine but that's it, it is pretty fun though people don't think a you know quote unquote slow car can be fun you know Breezy went 1189, I think she went in Rock Falls there, you know, that's with like a 150, 149, 60-foot time, you know, doing just a little, you know, 8-inch eight, eight foot-high wheelie, and, and uh, so it's 60 foot's just good enough that it's kind of fun, and, and uh, that 1-2 shift comes way faster than everybody thinks it's going to, but once you get in high gear, you got lots of time <laughs> to decide what you're going to do at the finish line. Well, and it's definitely a cool car, like that's... You, you can see who's taking pictures of you when you launch on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wave at the cameras. Look around. Of course, that's probably why I miss the one, two every single time. But You hit it. You hit it finally in, in, in yeah. your one round of eliminations there when you picked up, like, I don't know, what was it, Brian? <laughs> three, four tenths? A lot. The truckload. <laughs> well, that'll be a fun race. That's uh, Brainerd's always a great place to go. and They even got a little added money now this year. Yeah, uh, what second race of the Rock Falls? They decided to pay that out in this race, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, Brian, I, I didn't haven't had a chance to listen to the announcement that was on Facebook that Midwest Class Racers with Travis Sorky did there live. But where did that extra money come from? Uh, the second day, you know, the rain out. So they rained out the first day at CT Badger Classic. So they basically stuck that money into this weekend. So it's twenty two hundred to win, twelve hundred for runner up, seven fifty for semifinals, five hundred for fourth. Third round, 300. Second round, win, 150. Yeah, and I, I I, did look at that, and I seen that should really make, uh, like, should make Bobby happy because they, they took most of the money and added it down the payout, if you will. They yeah. only bumped, instead of making the, the, the to win $3,000 or $4,000 or whatever, they took that money and they put it towards the round money, so. Well, not, not to forget, too, there's Billy Bucks there. Yeah. What is it? Two hundred bucks for dead on. Hundred dollars going dead on. Dead on. Yep. That's pretty cool. He does that. Yep. And I, I believe there is a gamblers race on Friday as well too. I was just talking to Doug Engels on my drive back <clears throat> last night, and uh, I think there's a gamblers race on Friday as well. That's put on independently of Midwest Class Racers, but generally has a pretty good track turnout. There's a guy that's got his car working pretty good. That thing was honking in Rock Falls. I thought that thing was leaving and working really good. It it was. In fact, it was working so good that when he got home, I hope Doug doesn't get mad at me for sharing this, but he had uh, he had some bent parts, so uh, he had to uh, get her to the chassis shop and get some things uh, braced up a little better than uh, was was originally designed there. No, no fault of Doug's for sure, but uh, that car is uh, definitely going to be dialed in when he gets to Brainerd. So he's got a pretty good chassis guy. I think that'll be a pretty good process. Yeah, no, I, Chris is going to get her dialed in for him. Cool. So now we got Rock, we got Brainerd this weekend, and then the following weekend we have Rock Falls, right? That'll be or not Rock Falls, Ottawa. Ottawa. Yep. And Brian, I just seen last night. I I don't have any information on this other than what I seen on class class racer but they're they've decided to not run that race quarter mile now and to run an eighth mile oh really yes so i posted the question on class racer last night um i don't know if anybody has answered yet as to why that is i don't know if there's 
things that they're still working on at the facility or what the concern was, but uh, yeah, they had announced that it's going to be eighth mile. I'm just looking here to see if anybody has answered the. Uh, well, if I do get there, I'd rather uh, I'd rather make the first few hits on everything fresh on an eighth mile track instead of a quarter, so that won't be. Uh... Yep, that'll work out good for a guy like you for sure. <laughs> we don't need to test. We'll just go to eliminations and test her out. That's what we did in St. Louis. Well, that'd be cool though. I think that track would be really nice and work good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, getting there and supporting that track, and. Uh, and everyone that's been there says that the uh, the track itself, the starting line, is always killer. So um, timing equipment works really good. And and yeah, I, I just just pulled it up here, guys. Uh, uh, Bob did answer me and said, yeah, safety is the main reason. Um, they're still working on getting the guardrails completed uh, down track in the shutdown area. Um, so that that makes great sense and i'm sure we'll we'll have the opportunity to race quarter mile there in the future but uh this race is 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 going to be eighth mile but uh i hope uh, i hope they can have a great turnout because that's that that track is readily accessible for all the racers it's kind of it's actually would be the most centrally located track for division five or the midwest class racers there so um we want that i'd like to see that race be a big success for sure well and i think that's the thing even the guys that just uh cried in their soup because it's eighth mile and canceled their plans like the more we come and support these tracks the better they're going to get you know <laughs> absolutely yep if you want to see things stop or go backwards stop going to the tracks you or maybe aren't optimal to what you think you should be racing down and pretty soon we'll have to drive a lot further so yeah, that's that's why I, I i get to the races as often as i can and travel to some silly places but I'm, I'm sure glad I get the opportunity to do it, and I, I, I want to support the, the sport that has given me so much so much fun and, and joy over the course of my life. So. Well, there's some pretty good racing this weekend. I guess I just want to touch on a few results. Um, Numidia looked like there was uh, some odd things happening there, but uh, in stock we had Shane Oaks over Brett or Brent DeRock. Is that how you say that, maybe? That's it. Eastern, so that was pretty cool. Congratulations, Shane. Looks like he had some pretty good runs. <clears throat> um, Superstock. Let's talk about that. What is happening there? Larry Miller over Byron Warner. Uh, Warner lost in Division One. What's even crazier is <laughs> both Warners lost. Yeah, I was just pulling it up here. In the semifinals, Byron had a had a buy and Brian uh, lost to Larry Miller. So Larry Miller has the real distinct <laughs> uh, breaking rights of, of, of putting it down on the, on the Warner brothers. That doesn't happen very much. He prevented the Warner and Warner final. That I would have, that get the popcorn out. I'd have paid to see that one. <laughs> so congratulations on that one, Larry. That's uh you're definitely laying out some good licks there. And it was a, uh... You were really solid when you needed to be solid. So that was uh congrats on that. And I don't know if there's the if the moon's doing something weird or blood moon or what we're in this month. It's but it's the it's the super moon this month. The super moon. It's the biggest moon of the year, yep. So it, that, last that night was huge. The, 
That must be why the Warners lost. That, that's only that makes sense. <laughs> so congratulations to everybody that races the Warner for the rest of the month. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are good guys. We just uh, good racing. What else did we have going on? Woodburn, didn't we? Yeah. So there was a double out in, uh, I believe Woodburn is Division Six, and uh, so yeah, double divisional out there. Um, the, uh, I guess Brad Burton is still putting on a show out on the West coast. I, uh, and can anybody catch Brad Burton in the national stock points championship this year, Brian? Oof-da. So it, it, he, 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 had, he was in a pretty good position with a bunch of races to go to yet. And then he goes to Woodburn and he wins the first race, uh, to, to add to his points total. <clears throat> And, uh, of course he's, he's not, uh, I don't think he's actually in the lead nationally right now. Yeah, he is five eighteen, and he's got four national events left to go to and three divisionals left to go to. So, yep. But, uh, as close as competitions, <clears throat> Mike Cotton. <laughs> well, Mike, Mike can definitely, can, could definitely put it down there. He's got, he, he doesn't have a lot of national events left to go, but. I'd be more worried about a guy like Joseph Santangelo mm-hmm. who's laying back there with only only been to three divisionals. So it'll be fun to watch coming down, but Brad is, has had an impressive season to date and uh, w- would be the odds-on favorite, I would think, for a national championship in stock eliminator. I'll, I'll take him and give you the rest of the field. How about that? <laughs> well, and there's something to be said for getting it into high gear like that, right? Like, he's just, man, when you start cracking off and you're winning races and everything's going right, like, there's momentum's behind you. Yeah, I, I know for me personally, boy, especially when I'm, when I'm at a race and I get two, three rounds under my belt and I've hit the three teens and twenties, like I get on a roll and it seems like, like I can just go up there and hit it. I got a lot of confidence and, and it's the same thing when you get on a roll for somebody like Brad, uh, through a course of a bunch of races, I would think you just go in there, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to be the man, you got to be the man, but you kind of get that, that pep in your step a little bit for sure. I think. And how about the stock final at Woodburn? Um, so in the second race in Woodburn, yeah, Jody Lang was putting on a show in the L stock automatic. I mean, he was so, 29, 20, 15, 27, 23, and 003 in the final, like, so the, the most important or excuse me, impressive part of that to me is being double O three in the final. You know, you will, you see this even in the pros, a lot of guys get to the final and they will be 30, 40, 50, you know, they, they just, they don't want a red light. They, and they, and they'll, but Jody just keeps perfecting his game there and rises to the occasion. And yeah, double O three against one of the best guys in Ryan McClanahan who is another guy that has a legitimate chance with the amount of races he's got left to claim at a, at a stock national championship and is putting together an impressive season. So yeah, well, Jody stepping up to the plate. Well, and you're talking about an L stock automatic against a, a double a factory stock, double a car. Like, yeah, I, in my opinion, I don't care what anybody says there. There ain't nobody really judging it. Right. I mean, you're talking I mean, the speed, the speed difference there is 50 miles an hour. <laughs> 855 yeah. against 1175 like you're talking yep. 155 mile an hour against 108 and i would say at 108 jody had it on the floor in his l stock automatic that's a pretty good speed for that car actually so 
Yeah. Or wait, I thought the fast car always had the advantage. <laughs> I would argue that point to some extent, Brian. <clears throat> not when you're not when you're Jody Lang going 003. Like you just, I mean. Yeah. I, I can't remember who I was listening to here in the last few weeks was talking about the, leaving off the clean tree um, being as much or more of an advantage as having the race in front of you like you do in the faster car. So. Well, just reaction time difference. I mean, you're 003 against 061. Like, it was over really kind of before yeah. it started. But yeah. in the same sense, being the slow car like that, you could have totally misjudged that and screwed that up. Like, you still have to execute the plan. Like, you could easily have given that away just as fast as you took it. Yep. I'm 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 assuming that Jody was dialed something that he thought was really safe there. But that would have been my strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that would have been a cool. So, congratulations Jody Lang on that too. That was uh that was pretty cool. Who won Superstock out in Woodburn, Brian, do you know? I just changed screens. Come on, John. <laughs> Jeez, get it together. Super stuck. So it looks like Sean Core won the uh, won the second race against Christopher Core. Core on Core. Yeah. So Brian, I don't know. Is that father and son? Which one do we have? Didn't we have one of them on? Which one was on here? Is it Sean? I don't know. One of our listeners I, will straighten us out. But yeah, so somebody straighten us out there. But that super cool. The Core family there in a final. Double divisional in Woodburn. I don't know if it matters at that point. You know, that was, it'd be pretty cool just to, well, of course, you know my brother, so that probably would not be a very good <laughs> final. <laughs> but there's nobody else I'd rather beat than that guy. <laughs> I guarantee if we went to flip, it would come down to, do you want to fight? No, I just want to flip. <laughs> so I guess we all have nemesis in our own family, right? <clears throat> Yeah, I think that was the results there. So, Brian, one of the things I wanted to talk about that I, I didn't get a chance to talk about last time and something that you guys have brought up on the show always about getting getting people into the sport of class racing, stock, super stock specifically. And uh, the cost versus bracket racing. So I think that's kind of why you, you said that you started the podcast, right, Brian? Yep. As as somebody that, you know, you yourself were new, fairly new to Greg racing and got exposed to class racing a little bit and, and uh now you've been you've been bitten by the bug, right? Oh, it's terrible. So so is your uh, are you saying that it's less cost uh, uh intensive than, so, than bracket racing? The, the point that I want to make there, Craig, um, and I'll try not to go off the rails too much here, but <laughs> <clears throat> the the cost, the, the perceived expense of stock super stock racing, mm -hmm. okay? Now, obviously, you can spend a lot of money stock super stock racing, but uh, you could also spend a lot of money going fishing, or you can spend... <laughs> Brian! <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh, oh. careful. Have you, have you looked at what a boat costs lately? I had a boat. Had I, tried to, a couple years ago. I tried to become a fisherman. Mm -hmm. So my, my point there is, is a lot of guys have a, a $50,000 bass boat mm -hmm. and a $50,000 pickup to pull it, and they travel and they stay in hotel rooms, and they've got every reel 
and the clothing that whatever and yeah. right so you, whatever whatever the sport and your passion is you can spend a lot of money on brian how much money do you got invested in hunting clothing and rifles <laughs> and shotguns uh my wife might be listening to this so we're gonna say about five hundred dollars your wife uh-huh. and the fbi <laughs> right well right, i would so. say, i'll go back to the fishing thing so like my dad never fish like i'm like you know what i want to learn how to fish i want to teach my kids how to fish like it's just the man thing to do so, you know, I started off with like the little crapper boat and it was fun. We used it all the time, but then, you know, then you need rods and then it's a pain. I can't really tie knots. So all of a sudden you need multiple rods. So if something happens in the middle, you, just you grab can just grab one. another rod and kids are losing stuff. But that's the cheap part. The expensive part is you pull up like, okay, we need bait. <clears throat> well, to try to keep a minnow alive over eight hours in 90 degree heat, like you might as well just throw them away because they're... Man, you think race gas goes fast. You try buying minnows and keeping them alive. I mean, yeah. I think. And then, then you got to fuel the boat. And then, you know, most of the listeners don't know my children, but my oldest gauge is, he'll be, say on the 20th, he'll be 15. 6'3", 225 pounds. That's not a cheap kid to feed <laughs> for eight hours in a boat. Right. So, I mean, we stop at the gas station. By the time you do snacks, bait, and fuel, you spend 300 bucks. You go out, you catch four to six eight walleyes like i think you could literally eat crab legs every day cheaper <laughs> you could have fish and walleyes and boating like yeah. and then you still have to maintain the thing like bust out another thousands of what the key of a boat is i mean i've i literally think my kids i'll be able to retire someday and my kids will have some inheritance because i gave up fishing for racing <laughs> oh, <great. laughs> The the point is is that no matter what you do, you can spend a lot mm-hmm. of money on it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I I just I get frustrated when I tell when people tell me that stock and super stock racing is is too expensive, um, you know, <clears throat> because no matter what you do, you can spend a lot of money on it. And comparing stock and class racing to bracket racing, here again, you can spend a lot of money bracket racing, and a lot of people do. Um, you go to a big dollar bracket race somewhere and the average cost of your mullus dragster with a you know 632 deemers or whoever name brand pro line uh big block chevy in it they're well over a hundred thousand dollars invested in those cars <clears throat> now there can be somebody at that same race with a 25 year old small block in a you know twenty five thousand dollar twenty thousand dollar dragster right but how how competitive is that? It's like anything. The more competitive you want to be, and maybe there's somebody out there with enough self-control to be like, you know what, I'm just happy with the way my car is, and I'm just going to go out here and have fun. But I don't understand people like that. My my point is, Brian, is you Brian's can compete. Brian's not those people. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You can compete without spending all that money, no matter what the class is or whatever. So when my wagon, for example... I paid $12,000 for that car. When I bought it, it would barely run the index. I put a used transmission that I traded some parts for in it. Um, and, you know, had Brad Van Lant do a set of cylinder heads and built a new short block for it. And that's basically the setup that's in the car today. <clears throat> the car will go 80 under in good air, you know, 65, 70 under. Every other time, it, it's super consistent. Um, I've won in Vegas. I've won in Marion. 
my son is one in Bakersfield, Vegas, Marion, Brainerd. Um, you know, we've, we've won a lot of money with that car. It's competitive. Everybody thinks it's cool. And we have less than $20,000 invested in that car. <clears throat> I've had a dozen different people drive it. You know, my return on investment dollar to fund there is pretty darn good. How, how unique is that, though, in the in the sport? I don't feel that it is unique. I feel that people, there's a lot of people that have done the same thing. And if you want to have a fast car, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you want to have a 69 A-stock Camaro aluminum-headed 396, da-da-da-da-da, that's going to run way under the index, yeah, you're going to have to spend a bunch of money. But you can investigate a good combo and spend Twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars, and have a competitive car. I there's lots of people that do it, and if you want to have a a car that goes to Indy and qualifies number one, a buck forty under, you can investigate and and get a obscure combo that'll do that. Um, if you don't care how fast your car is, you can go spend ten grand on something that'll run twenty under, and you know hope that you don't get a heads up run so you have, so you have different, money there's different ways to do <laughs> right. it right so you you have a dollar reality that you have to spend you know there, there's a barrier it doesn't necessarily have to be super high but there's a barrier uh how do you get people that don't have a history around cars um to see the that maybe that'd be something they want to try just do what i did to brian <laughs> just poke him or so- what? <laughs> So no, but all, all all you need to do, in my opinion, is expose people to it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, it's not for everyone, right? I mean, um, Brian and I both have do backcountry snowmobiling, you know, and I think it's the greatest thing ever. And if you don't enjoy it, you you don't get it. But not everybody's going to enjoy that, um, or, or or fishing or what have you. But you, if you expose people to the sport of drag racing. And then expose them to class racing. I, you, you'll, you'll get more people involved. So, the the young people that are in the sport today, most of them got there because of the, a family connection. Mm-hmm. Then there's a few out there that just hadn't had a guy down the street and they went to a race with him. I, I can think of many examples of people like that. So, take them to a race. Take them for a ride in your car. Um, you know, Brian approached me. I guess how we met about building a uh, engine for a for a charger that he had bought, and we got that done. And then I said, "You should take this thing to the racetrack." So Brian drug it to the racetrack, and like, "Wow, this is really cool. What are all these people doing here?" And and uh, yeah, and then he won the lottery and won his Camaro. And I said, "Hey, that'd make a really good stalker." And then he got to understand class racing and all the neat intricacies of that, and and he's hooked. So I really think it's it's just exposing them to it, Craig. Um, and along those lines of, of exposing someone to, to class racing, one thing I think that, uh, um, uh, like the street outlaws and that mm-hmm. whole thing that's been wildly successful over the last 10, 12 years, right? What do those guys do different than your average bracket racer or class racer doesn't do? Those guys are really good at self-promoting. Right now, you might look at him and think, you know, what's this idiot doing blabbing on TV, talking smack, you know, whatever. But uh, that's what 
I think class racers could do a better job of. Hmm. You know, There's... we're also worried about hurting somebody's feelings or looking like a fool, but get out there and 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 let the community that you live in know what you're doing. You know, um, and I guarantee they're going to be they're going to be interested. And then you'll get a young person that'll come up to you and want to go do a race. Uh, I'm Drayton, Drayton, North Dakota, a town of 1,200 people, five miles from my house where I live up here in the middle of nowhere. Um, people have heard that there's this guy that moved up there that races a little bit, and I've had some people ask me about it and stuff, and they're having a community car show on Main Street this Thursday night, and I'm going to haul my cars to town and, and display them and talk to people about class racing. Well, it's like the days of the hero card, right? Like Exactly. Al Corda. He still carries hero cards with him. Name on the side of the car, like old school. Yeah, and it's like like what Bobby does with his his yeah. flyers that explain explain class racing. So, so if we do nothing, Craig, and just sit back and whine that oh nobody's into yeah. racing and it's the end of the world and the sport's gonna die pretty soon. They were saying the same thing in the seventies. They were saying the same thing in the eighties. But <clears throat> we just need to uh, to. Uh, do a little bit to promote the sport, doing things like Brian's doing. Like, hey, what's a podcast? Maybe I should start a podcast. I don't really know nothing about class racing, but I'm going to go on a, and talk about it with everybody. Right? You want to talk about so, a good way to learn about it, though. And it's actually amazing how much feedback we get of people like, you know, that are, I mean, we've had several emails like, I don't race yet, but I love your podcast. And I don't miss an episode. So, you know, really? it's, it's definitely reaching people out there that are thinking about buying cars and asking about combinations and just, and that, that's yeah, pretty and that's, cool. And the community will help people looking to get into it. And it's real important that people don't be uh, ashamed to ask lots of questions. I mean, that's what I did. I bracket raced for, you know, 20 years and, and 12 years ago or something like that. Now, 14 years ago, probably I wanted to get into to class racing. Um, and I asked lots and lots of questions and and lots and lots of people have helped me, and I still ask lots and lots of questions. So if it wasn't for people like, you know, Brad Van Lant and and, and Matt Steen and and Doug and Lynn Ingalls and 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 the list goes on and on and on of the people that have, Larry Gilly, the people that have helped me and taught me about this class, and and I continue to learn. So for sure, ask lots of questions because one thing I do see people do is they spend money. I don't want to say foolishly or, or wrong or whatever but they go and spend a chunk of money that they 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 wouldn't have had to so um, is, is that just due to lack of proper marketing in the in in the the sport like to, so, so people don't know what they actually need right yep yep well there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different mindsets out there too right like there's people are always looking for the the next gimmick or the next little mm-hmm. I mean, because there's different levels, right? Like, you have the guy that's starting, like, to me, when I got my car, I'm like, I want something I can bracket race, and I can go to a few of these stock limiter races if I want to, right? Like, go to the MCR race, or I can still bracket race whenever I want to go. Well, then it's kind of transitioned, like, I still, I just want to go down the track and beat people, whether it's in a class or whether it's a bracket, I don't really care. And people are like, oh, I can't believe you would bracket race your stalker. I'm like, it's the best bracket car ever. Like, you know, look at your wagon. Look at the money you spent on that wagon compared to what the average bracket guy that's probably just middle of the road, like you're in the par. Like, they're going to spend the same amount of money. Now, people always exactly. chase chasing the next thing and wanting to spend money because they have it. Yeah, I mean, we've got those in stock too. But, like, in my operation, 
I have a pretty tight budget. So what can I do to get the best return on my buck, right? Like I can't get 650 horsepower. It's not in my budget, but I can work on my reaction times or I can work on strategies on driving and try to get better that way. And I, to your, to your point, you know, I can put money in myself and my driving abilities, my reaction times cheaper than I can add 20 horsepower to my car. I had 20 horsepower to my car and I'm sixties and seventies all day. It ain't going to matter. Right. And that's, that's, there's, there's three things to, to class racing, right? We've got the cars. So if you're a natural car guy or not, right. But that's something that can attract people to the sport, Craig, right. Mm -hmm. They're just, they, they're into muscle cars or they, they, it's a young person and he's decided he wants a uh, Greg pack challenger. Sorry, Brian, Coco Camaro. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby, Cobra Jet Mustang. <laughs> but, but whatever. And, and oh, wait a minute. I can race this car in this class here, and I can race at national events with John Ford. You know, so people could get into it because of the car. Or they get into it because of the muscle car thing. And then, like Brian said, there's the competition. So in class racing, we have all the benefits of the fact that it's, it's a car show with these different old and new cars. And then the competition aspect is the same as racing in the you know million dollar final of a big dollar bracket race or whatever the case may be or racing you know at your local track where the competition is just as tough there as anywhere but you got to hit the tree you got to drive the stripe you've got to have a strategy all that is there so that's a thing that can attract people to it and then the biggest piece to attract people to drag racing specifically class racing specifically is the people mm. and so craig you've been exposed to it a little bit brian i think it's one of the things that really exposed you to it and me personally i mean that's it it i mean it's i'm an empty nester now my kids are grown and gone and and, and you know they still get to play with me at the racetrack some but i mean the racetrack is my family and it's the circle that i travel in it's who i talk to it's my friends and it's it's a it's a wonderful environment so as, a, as something you can do as a family, as something you can do with your friends. Um, yeah, so it's it's all about the people for sure. So I almost asked a stupid question. If you had to move to a different area, would you still race without your family? But it's such an inclusive group. Your family is there even if you don't know them yet. Like, I'm the poster child for that, Brian. I picked up, <laughs> sold and gave away pretty much everything I own. Picked up my two race cars and, like, the Beverly Hillbillies, I had two snowmobiles on a sled deck in the back of my pickup and two race cars in a trailer, and we went to the desert, right? We went to the mountains of Arizona, me and my three teenage kids. And I had read about and vaguely knew a few West Coast racers. Um, we rolled into Bakersfield, California on January 20th of, like, 2014, and, you know, a few people come up and said, introduced themselves because I had talked to them on class racer or on Facebook or whatever. Um, and you know, it was, I was welcomed into the family. Now, maybe not so much by Leo Glassbrenner right away. Cause my 16 year old kid beat him in the final of that race, but that's another story, <laughs> Leo. <laughs> but you know, we, we got lucky enough to win that race. Uh, you know, I met the Mandela's there. Um, I, I met Johnny Gray there, um, and, and people that I have now become lifelong friends with that I could pick up the phone and they would do anything for me. Um, and 
you know, then I started traveling around the West Coast and met met Larry Gilly and, and Andy Kimball and Dennis Elby and, and this st- whole community now that they're they're some of my closest friends. I still like and your I Vegas. I still like, I'm a racer. I still like your first trip to Vegas story. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that one's <laughs> sleep sleeping in the truck. Yeah. Open yeah, top, open lost. trailer. I didn't realize you could just stay on the interstate to get to the racetrack. Oh no. <laughs> So I drove through downtown Vegas in my white diesel pickup at like three o'clock in the morning with the tomato on the trailer. And I ended up in some places I probably shouldn't have been and had to back up a city block to get out of there. I gave up and I just, I found the racetrack, parked in front of the gate, went to sleep in the back of the pickup. And it was just a, it was a bracket race. I was racing my stalker at, um, that's the first race that I met the Irvings, John and John, John Irving at, um, but had a had a great time. It's the first time I, I met Paul Long. Um, but I, I, I got lucky and went on and, and I won that bracket race um, after yeah, sleeping in my pickup in the parking lot. And but there again, you know, I, I was made to feel welcome and, and part of the racing family and the people. And yeah, it was super fun. They're like, this guy's so crazy. We have to friend him because we don't want him as our enemy. <laughs> <laughs> they're talking about me yeah, yeah. we got to get this guy into the family everybody needs that crazy uncle you know uh, <laughs> yeah that, that would be me right. the crazy uncle tyler uh from facebook said that uh gene mossback pushed him to uh turn his street strip car into a stalker and yeah had, had some tyler. spare parts for that which is i'm, I'm assuming that's tyler bb craig yep. yes yeah okay i can see it on there uh yeah there's a great you know tyler's a phenomenal bracket racer his dad's a car guy and a racer and yeah gene's like hey why don't you turn this thing into a stalker so. and a wagon driver so his name's and he's on a wagon driver and getting getting back to the cost of the sport mm-hmm. I, I i was i was looking last night there's a stock eliminator car for sale on the internet it's not the fastest class car but it's for sale for nine thousand dollars now, anybody that's going to go bracket racing is going to spend $9,000, right? So you could go buy that car. There's a fairly, there's several fairly fast Novas, Dusters, um, middle-class cars that, that for sale for $20,000, $25,000. Um, there's some really fat, fast middle-class cars out there for sale for, for $30,000. Um, and if you want, you know, Bill Rink, who unfortunately passed away here, um, his car's for sale. That car's got the best of everything in it. It's a buck twenty under super stock car, and you can buy that car for forty thousand dollars. So, don't tell me you got to spend too much money to go bracket racing or to go class racing. Mm-hmm. You can, you can do it. It's just what level do you want to do it at? So. so, so is it important then to get some of the, the established, participants, racers, uh, in the sport to to try I was going to say try harder but maybe to go after some of these younger people is is that going to be a way to to kickstart this campaign shall we say to try to get more new blood I do think the established racers could do a better job of promoting don't be ashamed to promote yourself what your hard work and lifelong dedication to a sport has has afforded you the opportunity to do 
the equipment that you have, the knowledge that you have. So, you know, we make fun of, of going back again to the uh, street outlaws, but some of those guys acting like fools, if you will, on TV or whatever, but, you know, those guys are traveling around the country racing and, and have a huge following because they promoted themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's, it's okay to, like I said, go ahead and talk a little smack, jump up and down, act like a fool a little bit. Don't be ashamed to put yourself out there on social media, do things within your community. Um, you know, take your car to a car show, drive your stinking stalker six blocks down to the and get an ice cream cone on a Wednesday afternoon with some mufflers on. Yeah. There's several guys on the East Coast that do that. Um, get Because all we have to do, Craig, is expose people to this sport. And, and it, like I said, it's not going to be for everybody, but if we did a better job of exposing people to it and then helping them, mm -hmm. it, we'd have more participants than we could handle. Yeah. So I'm thinking of a cross between street outlaws and grumpy old men would be the... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would be those go, go, go grumpy old outlaws. Dennis, go hang around Dennis Elby's pit and listen to him tell stories. You know, go go hang around with 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 Lynn and Doug when they're working on their cars and getting them faster and they're beautiful. I mean, just it's all you got to do. And if we could get everyone to to be to get exposed to that, the the hook would be set. Is there secrecy? In you know, do people have an idea? And I again, because I'm new to this thing, is there a an understanding or a sentiment that uh, I can't share my info because you might take it? There is some of that, Craig. Is is that appropriate? My, again, this is just my opinion. Yep, that's so why I you're may on or here. may not be right. <laughs> uh, but there absolutely is some secrecy with some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it, is that appropriate? When it comes to, you know, combinations yeah. and making them fast, mm -hmm. um, that is not as prevalent, in my opinion, as it was 20 years ago. Okay. For sure, because this stuff has been getting scienced out for 30, 40 years, mm -hmm. for the most part. But, you know, Brian is not going to divulge, you know, e everything that got done to his cylinder heads here over the last year. And I wouldn't blame him, <laughs> you know. And there's a few little things that I'm probably not going to divulge, but I'm, I, I, I would help anybody tell them everything I can, what mm -hmm. I think they should do, because they're not going to be at that level right away. If they are, then I'm for sure not going to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but doesn't, but, but doesn't that is, help is, with the competition though? If more yeah, people kind of come up together. Right. But if I got somebody like Tyler Beebe, who's mm -hmm. got a duster that's running 25 under, I'm going to help him however I can, right? I'll, I'll go work on his carburetor and give me, I'll, I'll take the carburetor off the wagon apart and show him what we've got done to it. Yeah. So we can get that one to leave better. Um, you know, whatever it takes. And I, I say that I wouldn't, there's things I wouldn't tell anybody. That's probably not true. Cause if you can't tell, I kind of like to talk, but um, <laughs> for sure. And anybody, even, even the guys that are real concerned about going fast, that Steve, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody, but as an example, Steve Wan, who builds a whole bunch of really fast class cars, right? Or, or Paul Wong or, or whoever. They absolutely, people come up to them and ask them questions and they help them all the time. Like I said, are they going to divulge the innermost right. secrets? Yeah. No, but they're going to help somebody get their car go faster. I've, I've witnessed them do it. Mm -hmm. So um, they're going to help people not spend money in the wrong places. 
right? Because that's it, that's what, what I mean by new people to the sport asking questions. Because someone can come into the sport, and and I think Brian will admit that he has probably spent money that he didn't need to spend at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so help people to do that to get their car to be faster. So, so do you think it would be valuable to somehow figure out how <laughs> to make that known that asking questions is actually encouraged you know if you're new to this thing come ask questions no one's going to be upset at you now you may not learn you know get all the ins and outs but ask the question yeah and you know i think there for sure there's been threads on class racer you know where where people have posted on their hey i'm new to the sport and bunches mm-hmm. of people have went on there and said hey ask questions whatever you know so but i think that comes back craig to that self-promotion yeah you know if if people are are looking up to you or perceive you as knowing what the heck you're talking about. They're probably mm-hmm. going to, and, and, but they're not as scared of you because yeah. you're not some crabby old guy hiding in your effing motorhome, Right. Um, well, there is you're out yeah. talking about your car. There is good and bad too with that. So like with my car, there's way better cars or combinations that I could have got into. It probably would have been less expensive per se, but, I also like the fact that it's been scienced out. Like my first call after I got that car was Al Corda, the grandfather of that car. Like he put a bunch of horsepower on that thing himself. You and know, did like, he slam the phone down on you and say, stop no, talking to me? No, we had no. two hour conversations yeah. every time I would call him. Now I had to get his number and mm-hmm. I had to call him and it was scary talk, but now it's like Uncle Al, right? Like he's not the most approachable guy in person, but you know what? I talked to that guy on the phone for days before I ever met him. And he was always helpful and always gave me points. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I just wanted to talk to somebody that knew how to make the wheel roll. And then, yeah, you know, tweak from there. But now there's also bad influences like John McLaughlin, put a stick in it, put a stick in it. Like don't You're always have fast problems. would be over. <laughs> you don't want to hear, listen to everything they tell you because you can make things harder. Craig, real quick. I think that's a great point. Brian did call Al Corda, mm-hmm. Al Corda, multi-time world champion. And I've, I've gotten to know Al. I'm lucky enough over the last few years, I've gotten to race with him. He's a great competitor, super great guy. He's always been very nice to me. Um, and I, I remember an early morning conversation I had with him for an hour at Marion once. And uh, it was just, just wonderful. But in person, Al is not the most outgoing guy, right? And so... But Brian took the initiative to pick up the phone and call him and developed a relationship mm-hmm. and got bunches of information from him. So, so guys like Al and those established people in the sport, all of us need to do a better job of promoting ourselves and our sport. Yeah. And for the record, he did say when I told him I wanted to go fast, he said, we'll put a stick in that thing. <laughs> Al Corda said that? <laughs> yep. Why don't you have a stick in there yet? Like, <laughs> wow. Dan Grimes says that, the, and you know, unless someone's in the middle or between rounds, um, you know, most guys will talk to you. And and that's one thing I did right. notice just at the one race I was at with with Brian. Um, yeah, you want to be. Yeah, unless you're focused and getting, you know, on going to the line. I, that makes sense. I mean, it, as a new person, you certainly don't want to go interrupt someone's flow. Um, yep. No, you, you want to be respectful. And I, yeah. I had, I've had this happen many times, but I just had it happen at rock falls. You know, it's warm out and, and I'm going into the quarterfinals or whatever it was. And, and some people come by and, and 
and you know i just i was busy and head down but i i, I greeted them i said hey how you doing and uh, and they started to ask some questions and i said hey i'm getting ready to go up i said can you stop back you know after i'm i'm done with competition today and they said oh yeah that'd be great and they did stop back over and i spent a half hour with them and showing them the car and put them in the car and it was great that's so, cool yeah. you didn't yeah. give them the get out of here scram <laughs> kids nope. <laughs> nope. nope put out a little lawn that you can protect <laughs> yellow tape right <clears throat> He's got a little sign that says clutch tuning in progress. <laughs> nice. Do not enter. <laughs> it looks like he's sleeping in there. <laughs> no, I I really kind of got that thing dialed in, Brian. I haven't been touching it. Hey, Mommy, did that guy's car run him over? His feet are always sticking out from under it. Yeah, I guess it's going to take time to change that perception, Craig. Yeah. Uh, years. The perception of me laying underneath my car all the time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But I think that is key is like just plugging into the right, you know, and you don't really know the right people, but I mean as racers if we do a better job of engaging the people that walk by and talking to them and answering questions it'll take away some of that well i, I think that's really it because you know, it's one thing to you know like if you had the initiative and took it to go talk to al um not everyone may have that same gumption so is there a a, a way to encourage those that are in the sport like you guys that are out there um to kind of be deliberately available to to meet the new people and maybe it's just deliberately going finding new people you don't know and having that conversation just to just to check in and say hey how are you who are you so it, it, is this a two-way street to really build this thing absolutely it is i think well and i'd be you know looking at a bigger uh you know a wider view would you per se I got into, John gave me this great idea to, oh, let's make that a stalker. Like, well, that's crazy. And yes, to go out and buy a new stock limiter motor was not in my budget. Like, crazy. I'm like, it was scary. But yet, talking I to Al. I did not tell him to do that. Talking <laughs> For to, the record. <laughs> talking to Al, he had components. Mm -hmm. Like, I saved probably, probably for 50% of what I would have spent going and buying everything new. Yeah. I got started and you know what that first year year and a half was brutal like you know trying to figure out how to make the car go down the track and reaction times and what's air pressure and what's launch rpm like there was a whole like sitting in my 68 charger going down the track or my brother's duster it was hard not to go to the final on that thing and then all of a sudden you're in a whole different animal and i'm glad that if i would have spent all that money up front I don't know that I would still be doing it. Mm. You know, there's a lot of sorting out suspension and just how many yellow lights go before it goes green and all that crap that I had to figure out the first year, year and a half. And, you know, Dan Weiss was nice enough. He, I'm struggling one day at Rock Falls. And he's like, you need to go down the track 50 times in this car before it'll even start to make sense. And that's still probably one of the top five pieces of info somebody ever gave me that really helped. Right. You could have went out, you could have, to your point, Brian, you could have went out and spent a bunch of money right away and got frustrated and quit. Yep. Right. And you didn't do that. You, you spent a little bit of money, went out, got exposed, figured out how to drive the car, how to tune the car, how to race, got and started working on that harder and then decided you wanted to go a little faster and invested some money. So, yeah. And it's a lot easier to go that route than spend all the money and have something that doesn't work. Or, I mean, cause I mean, 
maybe there's people out there that cannot have success and still enjoy it, but I don't, that's not me. Like I want to strive for perfection and it's easier to start that way than just, you know what? You go write a check for 120 grand. You don't make it out of the first round for 10, 12 races. Yeah. I'm going to probably go back to fishing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. And I, I think everybody should grow into it a little bit. Um, Because not only will it be more fun for you, but it'll be more rewarding when you do achieve goals. It's a whole bunch of fun winning in a car that you shouldn't win in, right? It's really fun beating people that you have no reason to beat. Exactly. Yep, that's that's, that's what it's all about for me. I feel like David versus Goliath every time I pull up. You know, like, oh my gosh, that's Alcorta. I still haven't beat, but that's coming. Um, (laughs) Oh. You know, Jason DeForest, Mike Mans, like you're pulling up against, you know, Chris Knutes. I mean, there's so many racers that we see at every MCR race that I'm still kind of a fanboy. Like, oh boy, you know, I have to really rip off a good run here because these guys are good. Yeah, there's there's good racers everywhere you go. So, like I said, in the Midwest class racers here, there's so many good guys, but it's it's that way everywhere. Every every region you go to, it's the same thing and. I feel the level of competition is the same there as a divisional race or whatever. So, But I think the other thing, too, is like, so we're talking grassroots and we're talking MCR, which you could argue isn't small. I mean, I think we're kind of, you know, every association across the country looks to MCRs. I mean, we're kind of the king of the associations. I mean, we have a good car turnout. People are building cars just to race, you know, the MCR with the MCR guys like but I think what they don't what they what they're missing is what we're building with Midwest class racers is spilling off into the NHRA NHRA isn't spilling into MCR MCR is spilling into NHRA I to your point with the MCR specifically Brian yeah like for you you I convinced you to make your car a stocker so you could go to Marion and race two races in a weekend for a hundred dollar entry each day and a chance to win two grand. Why, if you just want to go bracket racing, fine, but why wouldn't you race the car in this class? You got exposed to it and Hey, I can go race this thing at Brainerd in a divisional race. And then I can go race somewhere at a national event, you know, in front of a big crowd and with John force and whatever. So, I mean, yeah, you know, that's, that's how people are going to get into the sport and, I agree with you that Midwest, there's definitely people, there's not people leaving NHRA to come race Midwest class racers necessarily per se, but there are people building cars to race in Midwest class racers that are then getting exposed to NHRA. Do you think though, what's the, I mean, to me, the quotas are what's limiting the people that come to NHRA. I mean, like, like Brainerd's full. Brainerd is hundred percent full right now. Yeah. I, I don't completely uh, agree with that, Brian. Um, <clears throat> I don't agree with quotas per se, but there are races, a lot of, you know, you, you have <clears throat> some races, you know, Gainesville, whatever that, that are going to fill and overfill, um, Brainerd, those, those type of, of places. But there's a lot of, there's some races that don't get to quota, you know? Um, and, the the quota thing it, it isn't the necessarily the quotas that that are holding it back i don't i don't think i think that 
there's people not going to races in this economy and this culture right now for for multitudes of reasons but even prior to that people complained about that a lot but then they didn't put their money where their mouth was and, and, and drive to the race so um but with quotas specifically in my opinion i understand why there needs to be quotas at some facilities and that kind of thing but there's no reason why every race in my opinion couldn't have a 64 car field and we couldn't let 80 cars enter and so that you would you would have 80 people or, you know whatever the number is that they feel they need to limit it to for parking reasons but they can have a, <clears throat> a you know a six round race with 64 cars no matter what so i don't understand like i think brainerd the quote is 55 what what's that about there's, <laughs> there's plenty of room there it doesn't take any more time it's not another round to let it be 64 cars and let class there eight, right let 80 85 people give you your money and and quali- have a qualified field it, it, I, I, it should be that way at every race in my opinion well and how much is that going to step up qualifying like how much is that going to help drive the sport you know well and then it, it fix it helps it helps the ahfs work as it's designed yada 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 do you think indy's gonna fill well i'm an optimist so I do think so. Uh, I'm planning on going to Indy for the first time in my life. I think my car, I, I think I can qualify there now. So um, I, I do think it'll fill. It's 150 in stock. I don't know. Time, time will tell. What's it at right now? That's a good question. And that's one other point I wanted to bring up to Craig. You're talking about getting new people into the sport and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, and then people complain, well, I'm not going to go to this race because I can't qualify. Like, that's part of the point of class racing, right? It's not supposed to be easy. Like, it, not everybody gets a trophy. What? So, true. That's, that's counterculture right now. I know. And I'm not going to get into political, <laughs> but we'll really go off the rails. But three hour long show right the point is is that class racing it, mm-hmm. it, it's not it's not supposed to be easy right so I, I i i bracket raced i got to the point where i felt i could do that consistently and then i stepped up to class racing and then my car was a 20 under car when i started and i kept working on it and now it's an 80 under car and you know i i i didn't win a stock race for the first couple of years i raced in stock and i kept working on getting my car working correctly in my driving and now i have the opportunity where i can be competitive at times so it's not supposed to be easy so any joel bull shouldn't be able to go buy a car and show up at indy and qualify hmm. okay you should have to and if he can if he can afford to spend the money to do that fine but it sure means a lot more in my opinion for for people that have to put in the time and the effort yeah and then it's rewarding so so it's not supposed to be a layup. Mm-hmm. Brian isn't supposed to win the lottery and get this Camaro and instantly have a car that'll go a buck ten under and go out <laughs> and win class everywhere he goes. That Just would have been so much road. better. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> but you when know you what? actually when you actually do win class for the first time, it'll mean a lot more to you. I 
you know, I, I am new quote unquote to, to class racing and I have only competed for class maybe three, four times. Um, you know, and I've never won class yet. I'm hopefully going to have the opportunity to do it at Brainerd again this year. And mm -hmm. hopefully I can have better results than in the past, but you know, I'm going to keep working on my stuff. And when I do finally win, it'll be really rewarding. Yeah. But I will say though, I would not have spent the time to sort out my suspension or driving. Like I would not have spent, I spent a lot of time just trying to drive better. Like whether it's reaction times and strategy and execution, like, I would have hopped in a fast car. I could have skipped some of that and got lucky and maybe been happy. Where now, like, those are to me, if you can't, you know, it's all about getting off the line and executing your plan. That That's utmost. Like, the car will do its own thing. And and you'll never stop stop learning there, Brian. I've been racing the same kind of car for 30-some years, and I am still learning stuff about what it likes as far as the suspension and stuff goes so so july 16 and 17 did you say there may be something coming in friday the 15th is that right i i think there might be a gambler's okay. race on friday yep so that is at the brainerd international raceway in brainerd minnesota uh the uh paul bunyan classic the ninth annual yep looks and like it's going to be great weather yeah no reason that we shouldn't get a hundred cars there. There's lots of stock superstar cars in the area. It's a mm -hmm. great payout at a world-class facility. So no excuses. Get out there and get your car to the track. And and then the next weekend, 23-24, is in Ottawa. The uh, yes. stock superstock combo. So, And Brian is crossing his fingers that he'll be I have a lot of work to do this weekend. <laughs> you do. <laughs> well, John, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to bask in that room you're in and chat with us <laughs> any last well, we'll, we'll, uh any last in a, thoughts? in a few months here hopefully you can have me back on if i didn't live. Uh, ruin my welcome here by rattling on well we'll and, just do uh, it live we'll, up there we'll do it yeah we'll do it live from the toy shop you guys need to come up i'd love to show you around absolutely It'd be fantastic any last thoughts get out there in your community and promote our sport and get your butt to the racetrack cool brian you have any uh anything you want to say <laughs> Not really. Nothing. That was good. Like, I'm not. Uh... Rare to go? Yeah. I got work to do. Indeed. Classracingtoday.com. Classracingtoday at gmail.com if you have any questions. Uh, remember, uh, there's a few ways you can help support the show. One of the best ways you can do it is by telling more people to listen. Uh, and going to YouTube, subscribe, click on the notification bell, uh, share it out over your social media platforms. Also, that's another way. Uh, or if you want to monetarily support the show, you choose the value you get out of it. Go to classracingtoday.com slash donate, and you decide what, it, what what it's worth to you, what the value is. Dollar, $10, $1,000, $50,000. Anything is much appreciated and welcome. Uh, thanks a lot for hanging out with us. We will see you again next time. This is Class Racing Today. Have a great week. See you later.